You're about to listen to an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio, which comes to you free every single week over on geekinthecity.com. If you enjoy helping us keep this show free, and I know you do, pop on over to patreon.com forward slash geekinthecity, where we have all kinds of levels that get you some fantastic awards and benefits. But if you can't help us out there, just please share this show over on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. And as always, our opening and closing theme brought to you by nerd rock group Megathruster. And now, let's get on with an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio. One, two, three, four! It's been a long, long week. Why don't you spend some time with geeks? So many issues today into which we must delve. Talk about the stuff that makes you scream and shout. Hit the red alert, we're going more factor 12. Thanks for pressing play. Now we're gonna save the day. Alright! Why, hello! And welcome to issue 553 of Geek in the City Radio. I'm one of your hosts coming from the Star Destroyer exec, uh, executioner, Aaron Duran. <laughs> I'm one of your other hosts, just here in my house, Pina Rita. And I'm your other host, Cable Hashitani, coming to you from this nondescript white wall behind me. From the wall, the wall. <laughs> and we are joined by uh, Mitch Gillen of the Nerd Out. Hi, everybody. Hi. <laughs> yeah, welcome, Mitch. Yeah, yeah I, uh, I, I wish we could have had you on when there wasn't a pandemic and things were going better. That would have been smart of yeah. us. Well, I don't think anyone really expected it. It's not like, you know, there was a Google Meet or uh, something on my calendar that popped up and said, oh, hey, there's going to be a pandemic. Get everything done that I want to do, like, mm-hmm. in the yeah. next week. That, that, that's true. There wasn't, yeah. No one sent up that bat signal. Those first few yeah. weeks were really weird because I really felt like I couldn't leave the house, but I was unprepared to only be in my house. <laughs> yeah. Much like got... everyone else. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've got a family of five, so it's like we're always stockpiled with stuff, except for that one thing that we absolutely need or, you know, that one thing that we run out of, like goldfish crackers, that my kids will have a complete meltdown about. Oh no! So, <laughs> yeah, I was totally ready for the that thing, that one thing to be toilet paper. <laughs> yeah, I got lucky. We had gone to Costco like a week before everything hit, so I think I still have toilet paper from there. <laughs> nice. So if anyone needs any, I mean, I'm selling it cheap. Is that still a thing? <laughs> I haven't been shopping in a couple of weeks, but I feel like there's still empty, you know, disposable paper aisle at the stores. There is. You, there are still signs that say, like, limit, to, limit one per customer. I don't know why. I don't, I don't understand how we haven't, like, caught back up on that yet. It's been three months. Yeah, I mean, do people poop more during the pandemic? Is there, like, a, a thing with COVID or... I know what it is. COVID? It's just that they're at their house more, so now they have to use their own toilet paper yeah, instead they're not of at work. taking it from work. Uh, yep. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Mystery yes, solved. That is totally it. 
Yeah. I keep hearing well, something I guess you in the don't background. Think about it's weird. What do you hear? I don't know. It's that weird, like, humming sound again. Uh, it kind of sounds like machinery. Yeah. Oh, it could be from the nerd out, like, one of my fridges cycles on or off. Oh. Maybe. It or sounds maybe. like it's really close, but... It's coming from inside the house. <laughs> or there's a radio on, or there's a radio on in the background somewhere, and it's creating a feedback. Hmm. Maybe there's robots, androids. And actually, it actually sounds like creepy ghost voices from like The Conjuring. Now I'm wondering which one of us is going to have a really weird night. Not it, <laughs> dude. You're the one in the story. <laughs> I live so- in a. 150 year old house weird noises happen all the time so. that's fair yeah. well yeah, we thought it'd be good you they follow you around <laughs> that's true aaron duran surrounded by ghosts that yep. that does happen a lot uh but yeah we wanted to have you on and just kind of talk about like what's i know the the nerd house going through a big change right now um uh yeah well <laughs> yeah well, let's back up for our non-Portland friends. Do you want to like talk a little bit about what the nerd out was before we talk about what it isn't anymore? Or? Yeah. Um, I mean, the nerd out in my best description was like cheers for nerds. Um, we're a bar restaurant that was all kind of just based around general pop culture, comic books, sci-fi, gaming, hard math problems, if that was your thing. Um and yeah, I mean, everything from comics on the walls, littered with collectibles, action figures, uh, multiple Magic and D&D players, that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, we had a run for two years and three and a half months, and then COVID hit, and we get to close our doors. So it's kind of a bummer, but... We had a great run, and I've made a lot of good friends and family out of it. So, I know we had uh, we had many a fun trivia night down there. Oh yeah, I know people who it became like their instant hangout place. Like as soon as you were open. Yeah, no, I mean it. It was really weird because my business model. I really wanted it to be, for lack of a better word, cheers. Like, you know, people knew you because. I don't know. I, I'm not from Portland. I'm not talking shit, but a lot of the bar pub places here, you know, they can be a little uppity and hipster until you're like part of the clique. And I've always hated that. Like I wanted, I wanted everyone to come in and feel at home and feel like they could be whoever they wanted to be. You know, whether you're reading comics with your kid on new comic book day, Wednesday, or, you know, you're 50 years old and you want to come in and show off your new G.I. Joe that you just scored at Rogue Toys or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we... If you hadn't mentioned the age, I was like, don't talk about Sean Wynn that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't collect G.I. Joes. Now he builds them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Actually, Sean, if you're listening, I want my figures. Where are my figures? Uh-oh. <laughs> but, um... Uh, yeah, no, I mean, we were the, like, after Comic-Con joint. I tried to do everything that you do at a Comic-Con, but with food and booze, you know. We had all sorts of cool drinks and draws and, like, uh, the trivia night, movie nights, and <clears throat> fun game nights, 
I'm drawing a blank. I did this for two years. I should know everything we did. But, <laughs> well, I um, I always enjoyed your uh, your name and take on various cocktails. Um, they were they were always a lot of fun. I would hurt myself a lot with the Bruce Wayne, which is <laughs> oh. like an extra fancy Manhattan. And that oh, was the a Adam good West. One. Oh, the Adam West. That was it. Sorry. Yeah, that was a sleeper. Those things taste really good. And you can drink a lot of them. The other one was the George Romero. It drank, it drank like fruit punch. And yeah, I, well, there's stories I probably shouldn't tell live on the internet. <laughs> oh, tell them, do it. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, all the drinks were, you know, based around fun comic characters or, you know, movie characters. I mean, shit, we had everything from uh, Drink Named After Snake Pliskin to Invader Zim. Uh, yeah. I was a I fan of the Butterbeer. Yeah, the Butterbeer. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that was a, a happy accident. Um, we had we were doing a uh, charity with the Harry Potter Alliance for, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to say it wrong, Osseo Books. Um, but we did a major book drive, Harry Potter night. I'm like, oh, you know, I'll uh, I'll do butterbeer for that night. How hard can it be? So <laughs> I may or may not have found a recipe that was similar to the Harry Potter world thing put on Universal um, on the internet. And we made butterbeer that night, and we sold so many. Um, yeah, I had one. A t- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, we... I think we sold 90 or something like that that night Ooh, and a portion of all those man. went to charity and I'm like oh we should just try it as a special and see if they sell sold and then it just happened I mean like we became the place that had butterbeer and people were super excited I enjoyed it so much that I actually like like reverse engineered it and figured out how to make it at home because well, I, actually... I, ne- I needed to have it more often that actually leads to a question on the uh, the Facebook page because we got people chatting about our live video. Uh, Talita in Texas wants to know if you would ever share the recipes with people. Uh, yeah. You can say I no. Understand? You can be like, no, it's top I mean, secret. Well, okay. I'll give anyone the basic on how to make anything here. And then you can work whatever magic or potion you want into it to make it your own. But, I mean, the nerd out is closing. These four walls are shutting down, but we're not dead by any means. Um, And some of those recipes could be following me to our next venture. Nice. Um, I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the butterbeer is, I mean, the big secret is A&W cream soda. Yep. Homemade (laughs) whipped cream. There's wow. butterscotch, um, like butterscotch dessert topping, and then um, magic. You know, I stick my wand in there, swirl it around. You know, uh, yeah, and that's that's <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, if you get some cream soda, some butterscotch, some homemade whipped cream, some butternut or uh, butterscotch schnapps, you're having a good time. But find your own magic. Throw some magic in there. You have to earn your own magic for sure. Super. Yeah. I, came pr- I came pretty close. I'm going to have to try it again now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I knew so, mine uh, was missing a little something, so. <laughs> yeah. It's, 
I don't know. And I mean, that's, that's the fun, all this stuff too. Like, I mean, or at least why I've always enjoyed cooking and making drinks is experimenting and, and playing and making something my own that hopefully other people enjoy. Or at least they lie about it and tell me they like it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious, did you, did you come up with those cocktail recipes and those, you know, those entrees and all of those different menu items yourself? Or did you have a collaborator? Um, well... I mean, I had a really good idea in mind. Um, as far as the cocktails, uh, my bar manager and friend of 27, 28 years, um, we worked everything out together. Like the Spider Manhattan, for instance. Um, I'm a Manhattan drinker. I love a good Manhattan. Uh, and I was like, oh, hey, we're going to open a bar on Belmont that quote unquote quote, has a couple cocktail whiskey bars, I want to have the best damn Manhattan on the street. So we played with that Manhattan quite a bit until it was just about perfect. I mean, tracking down radioactive spiders for it was the hard part. Right. Like, keeping those in stock. Plus, they're kind of hard to mash up in there. But, you know, it, it ended up working out. and It was really tasty. So, um, And then some of the cocktails, too, were like, a bartender would be like, hey, I got this idea for a cocktail. Or, hey, we're doing a Star Trek night, and I got an idea of how to make a Romulan ale. Let's try it out. <laughs> and then it'd be a success. And, you know, it would end up on the menu. So, I'm um, bummed I never got to make my Romulan ale down there. I should have brought my recipe to you. Oh. Well, I mean, don't tell anyone, but... I'm still in the building until the end of August. So if you happen to be in the neighborhood, we could have a drink. Oh, yeah. I yeah. just can't, I, I can't charge you for it. You know, we can't have a bunch of people in, but you can come hang out with me. Oh, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> Everything. <laughs> Everything. We can, we can play wrong. magic from 10 feet away or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was actually one of the, the bummer things and one of the reasons why we're closing down is the square footage. Um, right. You know, with once if we ever get into phase one and stick into phase one, we, um, you know, we're only 1,200 square feet, including the kitchen and the bar. Um, once that opened up, we would have maybe been able to have eight, ten people in here at a time. And, yeah, and I remember from like yeah. the bar area, like any kind of like bartender and cook, they're barely like ten feet apart just normally from what I remember seeing. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's a really small space. Um so if I had someone at a table it would completely eliminate my bar time. And right. unfortunately to keep a bar or restaurant alive you have to have people in the seats. So Well, and spending money. Also that, yes. A hefty mix of those two things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, I mean, on another killer was, I mean, our big weekends were, oh, Comuricon, Rose City Comic Con, uh, Wizard World, or even like next, I, or it's this coming weekend was uh, the Portland Horror Movie Festival at the Hollywood. We would right. do after parties for all that kind of stuff, and everything's canceled. So... You know, that that put a big dent in potential profits. Like, 
So yeah, that's true. That's one of the things I didn't think about that with a lot of the major nerd events in Portland, well, in the country, not happening. Yeah, that's and a well, lot of your large crowds. Some things can crowd. go virtual. You know, an after party for a con can't really go virtual in the same way. Yeah. Right. Hey, no, I mean, unless you want to like pay me for drinks and mix them up at home, and we can hang out on Zoom and, and do it. But yeah, it's not not quite the same. Yeah, I mean, I know some bars are pulling off the, you know, to go cocktails. But I know with with your place, I mean, half the fun was you know being down there with a bunch of like minded folks that are just going to enjoy being in that environment, you know, so. Yeah. I mean, it, it, a lot of this place was the room and the people hanging out. And I mean, for instance, last year, if you came in after Rose city comic con, um, you could have been sitting three seats away from Neil Adams or, uh, who else was in here? Liam Sharp was in here. Keith Tucker. Like, I mean, just, you could, come nerd out with all the people you went to see, you know? Right. I was about, actually, I was about to ask you, like, who were some of your kind of favorite, quote, celebrities who would pop in and hang out or whatnot? Oh, by far, I mean, the number, when Stan Sakai came in, I just, I had to do everything to keep my cool and not completely fanboy out. Uh, <laughs> I'm a huge Osaki Yojimbo fan. Let's see. Just can't really see the tattoos that well. But oh, nice! I I like him a little bit, and him and his wife came in for dinner two years ago, and that was insane. Uh, Neil Adams, that was great. Colin Cantwell came in. Who, if you guys know him, I mean, he kind of like designed the X Wing fighter mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the Death Star, and him and his wife got came in, and I got to talk with him while he was having dinner. That was pretty cool. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, aside from all the locals, like, uh, Robbie Rodriguez and Ron Rendell and Jeff Parker and Ron Chan and Kat Ferris and Chelsea Kane, um, I wish Kelly Sudaconic would have come in because I always wanted to meet her. Met Matt Fraction of Cons, but Kelly Sue, I've never met you yet. So. Um, I love your stuff. But yeah, yeah, we're um, we're big fans, but she's tough to nail down. Busy, yeah. busy yeah. lady. Yeah. Oh, uh, a a really cool one that came in was uh, Steve Bennett came in, uh, who was one of the original animators of Robotech. Oh, that's uh, pretty cool. And, oh yeah, it was it was so awesome. Um, he came in with a couple of my regulars on a random Sunday night, and then ended up giving me an anime history lesson at the bar for about an hour and it was about the coolest thing ever. that's awesome <laughs> so, yeah um, but yeah i mean uh, uh i mean who who else was my favorite that came in all my regulars i made so many good friends here i mean it i people who are like family yeah um, well, I know we know some folks that have shot a lot of the 48-hour film festival stuff in your location. and uh-huh. Oh, yeah. we I think we've done three now. I think so, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. yeah Fetoid Productions. Yeah, Fetoid. Mm-hmm. The yeah. Broadsides did their photo shoot there. Yeah. I, 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 we've had a lot of stuff go on in just a short two years. Yeah, you, you, you very, like I said, like you very quickly became a, a go-to spot for a lot of nerds in this town. 
What I think a lot of people appreciated is that it felt very authentic. This town has actually seen um, companies or corporations or even, you know, one or two people try to create like that, that nerd or geek place. And for as awkward as, you know, we can be at times, we can also, we can also tell when we're kind of being played on. Like we can tell when it's a company who thinks like, oh, let's just do, yeah, let's put Star Wars up on the wall and make Star Wars themed drinks and the nerds will come and give us money. Like, I think geeks have gotten pretty savvy about when we're, you know, when we're being pandered to and when it's actually built with someone who loves it. Oh, it's totally true. I mean, um, I'm not going to guess anyone's age here, but I know I came from the age where you kind of had to hide your nerddom and you couldn't just run out to Target and get a a Deadpool shirt or something like that. (laughs) Not that it's a great time to be a, a geek. We've got all of our heroes on the big screen and stuff, and I can go get a cool Deadpool shirt at Target if I want to. But, uh, you know, it, people are trying to cash in on it now, too. Yeah. I mean, when we first opened, a lot of people had to, like, you know, test me uh, <laughs> oh. to make sure that I was legit. Or, I mean, I've been called a poser online. I've said, people have said that I was appropriating nerddom. And I was, I mean. You can't I appropriate no nerd idea. culture. It's not a thing. No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I collect toys and comic books avidly. Um, I'm an avid D and deer. I, yeah, I'd be a hoarder if my stuff wasn't so cool, you know. But <laughs> like, it's what it's what I do, and it's in my blood, you know. Like the only posing I do is action figures. I'll sit and do that forever. <laughs> um, nice. But, yeah, uh, that was funny. I, I like that. <laughs> sorry. Well, so I, I've always had a, a question. Every time I popped into your, your location, I always wondered, because none of your food, I mean, this is neither good nor bad. None of your food was like typical bar, like deep fried food. Like, yeah, you know, we didn't like, have a fryer. Yeah, and I used to wonder, is it because he's trying to cook healthier dishes or because he doesn't want that kind of grease in the air getting all over his like sideshow collection figures up on the shelves? <laughs> Because I know which way I would fall. I'm going to go with the second one, uh, (laughs) just because now that sounds a lot cooler. But uh, (laughs) no, I mean, and just side point, do you know what a pain in the ass it was to keep all these toys clean in a restaurant? Oh, so many. I can Mm -hmm. only imagine keeping my little Starfleet ships uh, clean, and I have a basement apartment or a basement office, and even there they get filthy, so. Oh, yeah, it was rough. But uh, no, the reason why the food was like, (laughs) the reason why the food was like the food um, is because I come from a fine dining background. Um, And I didn't want to have just typical fried food. I mean, don't you all get bored of going out to get a beer and you're like, oh, I got the choice of tots, tots with cheese and bacon and some chicken fingers. And that's true. And when you're only like, 30 feet away from Belmont Inn, why are you trying to do, like, tots and fried mushrooms also? Right. Yeah, no. That, and, I mean, having some good food and some fresh food. Food's fun. And I will say, I, 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 mean, did, I did love those Brussels sprouts you made. Those were choice. Those good Brussels sprouts. Oh, my God. The, yeah. I've changed a few people's lives that, like, <laughs> ew, Brussels sprouts are gross. My grandma used to make Brussels sprouts, and they were bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh... 
Oh, I say just next the next time, if if ever again someone questions your nerd credibility, uh, a really good way to shut them down is to is to say, "I built this menu because it's better for the action figures." Yeah, I'm totally stealing that. <laughs> so go ahead, take yeah. it. But, but you know, it's you just got to name though, a drink like, after the show. Absolutely. Oh my god. Oh man. I'll have. I'll be putting that up on the page shortly. Uh, but uh yeah no i mean you wouldn't believe how many people were bummed though that like what you don't have fries you don't have like you should be doing hot pockets and pizza rolls because that's real nerd food uh i mean like mm. well you're attempting to get out of your basement right now i know i am like i don't want to eat out of my fridge that's yeah yeah no it's i think i go ahead Oh no! I was just gonna say I absolutely love hot pockets and oh, they're delicious. Pizza rolls. But, Don't get me wrong, but you can't eat those all the time. No. That's why and, that's why you. nerds never make it past sixty. <laughs> Listen, there's nothing wrong with trying to like you know upscale your food options just because you're a nerd. The two are not mutually exclusive. I've probably been yeah. a fine diner longer than I've been a nerd. It's mm-hmm. yeah. Well, and what's funny is like. People who work in fine dining are total nerds. Like when you get a bunch of chefs talking about food and where it comes from, mm-hmm. God, it's it's worse than comic collectors. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, get people started on wine and what vintage and how it tastes like, you know, asteroid fields and ashtrays. It's like, it, yeah, it's like almost that not fun nerdy. I have know? never sat around listening to people talk about what kind of grass this was clearly growing from. Oh, I've been in so many of those conversations. <laughs> it, 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 those ones you just kind of start and go like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, I just want to pound this wine and get this over. But I've become that person that talks about yeast and hop strains of how it's like, oh, it makes the beer taste this way. Then I'm like, God, Aaron, shut up. <laughs> just drink the damn beer. <laughs> drink your drink. Yeah, I'm, I've just gotten to the point where they're like, yeah, that tastes good. All right, <laughs> yeah. Wow, that one got me fucked up. Oh, no. I... <laughs> they do that, too. Uh, yep. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, what else can I say? Uh, so I know you said you can't really say a whole lot, but can you kind of hint about what you see for the future? Oh, well, I mean, it's not, it's not a secret what's going on next. Um, I mean, it's just I don't know. Uh, well, I do, I have a lot of ideas. It's just kind of the state of the world is dictating what's going to come next. Uh, Uh I've been in, I've been in food service all my life, uh, since I was 15. I don't see opening another restaurant any time in the near future. Um, unless the right spot for like a grab and go or a food cart comes up. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, it all kind of depends when this whole pandemic thing dies down and what the state of the, the new normal is going to be. Um, if, if people are going to be going out, if people have money to go out, uh, if people are going to be weird about going out. I mean, like, I don't know. I know a lot of people who are like, Oh, I can't even imagine going to a bar with like 20 people. I'd be freaking out the whole time, you know, or imagine that first public sneeze in a bar where Uh. everyone like 
Yeah, they all right. died for cover. Yeah. So, um, but there will be something else. Uh, it's not if, it's just when. I got to find the right spot. Um, hell, I might even do a collectible shop for a little while, uh, just because that's my other passion. Uh, but yeah, stay tuned. We're keeping the uh, the social media page up, and we're gonna. I don't know post funny memes and try and keep people up to date on cool events that are coming up. Um, looks like 99% chance that the nerd out is going to be a pod out podcast for a little while. Oh, nice. And a couple of other friends. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, I, and I also say, I'll, like, I pop by the Facebook page a lot and it always seem pretty positive. That's the other downside of nerd culture is it can get pretty damn toxic lately. And your your page stayed oh, pretty mm-hmm. cool the whole time. It stayed pretty well monitored, and not a lot of not a lot of dicks showing up. Well, uh, thanks to Sean Wen and his company Strange Solutions, they had to be the watchdog on that mm-hmm. because I tend to be a little more reactionary, and I'm not as good at holding my tongue when someone wants to be a toxic Star Wars fan. Right. <laughs> uh, actually, the first person that ever got eighty six out of here was uh it was over rose tico and what yeah oh oh, yeah this guy just started saying well we're on an explicit show right yes yeah yeah Uh, go for it what how that stupid that stupid cunt rose tico ruined fucking star wars why they just had to stick um an asian racial slur into the movie for that effect and that's where I decided to be all yo man hey we don't share your opinions and you can take those outside because that doesn't fly yeah Um, yeah but no I mean like people need to keep that shit to themselves you know no we can all enjoy stuff if we're all cool about it like I'm not gonna like everything that you like and I'm not gonna like everything that that Disney or Marvel puts out you know but why do we have to have a bad time about it? Really? Yeah, and that's definitely the, the, that's the smart way to go about it. The the the, the, the normal rational way to go about it. <laughs> Attitudes like that are really just only going to alienate more more people. It, it's worse for you than it is for them. If like if you let the, a guy like that stay in your in your place of business, it hurts you more than oh. it hurts them. Yeah, and I mean. One of the biggest things, like, there's the toxic nerd culture, geek culture, and then, I mean, this falls into it, but, like, the whole gatekeeper nerds that mm-hmm. are just, like, yeah. oh, man, who, if they, if you change their superhero, I mean, God forbid, God forbid that, you know, Superman's a person of color, like, because that's changing their their childhood and ruined it made the Wolverine a girl. Oh, Christ Almighty! Like, yeah, I mean, it. There, there, there needs to just be an end to that. Let let stuff happen and enjoy. Be stoked. Like I right. said earlier, it's a great time to be a nerd. We get Wolverine, <laughs> whether it's a girl or any. It, yeah, it could Wolverine could be a three foot tall green alien, and I would be stoked because it's Wolverine. <laughs> or or I might not be. And then I'll watch an old Wolverine movie I like with Hugh Jackman. Fuck it. You know? Yeah, it's not like they take everything that was in the past and light it on fire and say, like, well, that's done. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, as we've well, discussed a number of times, those those arguments that it's it's ruining your childhood or destroying the franchise are just s- excuses for the subtext, that, which is they are sexist or racist or you know misogynist. So, you know the whole the whole list. It's scarcely yeah. veiled. You know they're they're not doing a very good job of hiding their real feelings. No, 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 no not at all. Yeah, my my favorite well favorite isn't the right word, but kind of my favorite nerds to make fun of are the ones now that are saying like, well, politics have no place in comics. That's uh, my- yeah, those are my favorites to argue with. Hot uh, The sentence "politics have no place," you know, fill in the blank however you want, is a shitty uh, stance. Yeah. No, no matter what, it's just ignorant. If, I mean, if you, I did have. If, oh, go ahead. I'll just say if if you are someone who thinks that uh, your especially your superhero comics have not been political, then I, I don't know what the hell you're reading. Like, I, yeah. I mean, super, say what you want about superheroes killing, but like, back when Superman, you know, killed villains, um, you know, he was throwing slumlords off of buildings, not mm-hmm. not causing yeah. villains. If you were oppressing people and charging them too much rent and kicking them out, he would just throw you off the building. Like it, they they've always been. The first appearance of Captain America is him punching Hitler. So like. Mm-hmm. Happen. You don't get any more political than punching Hitler. Yeah, and if and if you keep forgetting that the Empire are the bad guys, then I don't. You're getting the wrong thing out of Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's Big common time. knowledge. Uh, yeah. yeah, So that that that's kind of a weird one. But I mean that also that was the weird thing at the nerd out because one of our like few rules was we didn't allow like really loud heated political talking in here uh you know no matter what side it was on just for people to get a little break from what was going on right like uh you know i'm not a fucking trump fan and that's just all there is to it but (laughs) i remember one night this guy he was buzzed at the bar and he was going on and on just super loud about what a piece of shit he was all this stuff and i was Finally, I had to tell him to be quiet. I was like, look, man, you know, everyone's trying to enjoy themselves, and we all know Trump's a piece of shit, you know? So I don't know what I'm saying right now. It was just like, it was kind of weird. We tried to keep politics out of the nerd out a little bit, you know, just so people right. got a little a little break, you know? Uh, it's, a, it's a tough yeah. line to draw. Like, you want to be honest about your opinions, especially if those like the opposite opinions are harmful to your community uh, or in general, but you also, you know, you want to make it a good vibes kind of place. So like sometimes it's, sometimes it's a judgment call. Yeah. I mean, most of it, like you were saying, you always felt like there was good vibes in here. It was about trying to keep the vibes good. Yeah. I don't know why I went off on that tangent. No, no, it's fine. Well, you know, sometimes you, you need that place to get away, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no limit on how often you can or should be able to say that Trump is a piece of shit. So. That's okay. True. Yeah. It's. 
Yeah, but if you're I getting am. so loud that you're disturbing everybody else, it's like, yes, we get it, and we agree. But I want to enjoy my Adam <laughs> yeah. West here on my own. Right. Totally. And, uh, yeah, we all have to see what a piece of shit he is all day long. It's like, can I just get a 15-minute break? It's like I want to start setting a timer on my social media. You know, just like, okay, you can only look for 10 minutes because – Yeah. Yeah. I did that. Yeah. Oh, I think God, it helps. Have, yeah. <laughs> I, I really think I'm going to start doing that. Yeah. Uh, I spend a lot more time on Pinterest, and there's little to no hate on Pinterest. That's – see, I've been trying to give up social media for Animal Crossing. I just – I can't stop playing that game. I've never played a Sim game in my life. I got it from my daughter, and I'm like, oh, I'll get it set up for her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I ended up getting – getting her own switch so she could I'm like here you just have yours because I need my own <laughs> so. uh, well um, I know you already touched on it a little bit but uh, where can people find you between now and the next iteration of your contributions in the physical community well um, I mean on Facebook on Instagram um, I think we have a Twitter account I'll have to ask Sean about that I stay away from Twitter as much uh, as possible. You do, because we tagged you for the show. Okay, cool. Yeah, so on Twitter, too. Um, and then, I don't know, can you find me on eBay shopping for collectibles? Because I spend a lot of time doing that. Um, no, but uh, I don't know. Well, There's going to be some little... Li- oh, go ahead. Say, if you're curious, you are at the Nerd Out PDX on Twitter. <laughs> oh, okay, perfect. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, yeah, no, I, I'll i be around. I mean, I'm talking to some other bars about when things open up, about doing some pop-up stuff. Uh, our, uh, hopefully, we'll be recording the first test episode of the Nerd Out podcast uh, this week. So, hopefully, within the next three weeks, we'll have something up and going. Nice. Um, yeah. If you want to run into me, stop, stop by Excalibur Comics once they're open, because I'm going to go... I'm. I've been missing comic shopping so bad. Like I haven't Me been too. and flipped yeah. through comics in like so long. Yeah. Curbside delivery. Thank you so much. All the shops, cosmic books with pictures for doing it, but I need to go flip through. Some yeah. I've been, I've been getting my curbside from bridge city, but I need to, I need to go inside. Yeah. I, I, I need, want to I see the to stacks. With someone. Yeah. yeah. And I need someone to tell me about what's new out there that, you know, I don't know what Google is. I don't want to go look it up. I want someone to tell me how much. <laughs> I, w- I want to go in a store again and flip through Diamond to complain about one company or complain about this and that. That's what we do. Why are they publishing this yeah. book still? Exactly. And why <laughs> haven't they delivered? They, they were supposed to put this book out like three weeks ago and they still haven't come through. What the hell? Why did they hire this writer? He's never on time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah no i need that I need that oh well mitch thanks for uh thanks for popping on the show here yeah thanks for having me on i i appreciate it you guys rock um I, i'm gonna have more time to like watch the show and listen to it now like i won't be yeah. busy on tuesday well, the, night the, at seven o'clock setting up for trivia that's true so. well the funny thing is watching is relatively new for this show so we're still getting used to it yeah. Oh, uh, that's something I can plug in uh, the next couple of weeks. You know, trivia became a 
a, a really popular thing here. A lot of people got close with Joshua and Steven, who mm -hmm. did our trivia. We're going to be doing a live stream trivia, um, like kind of goodbye party, and hopefully having like some special guests and local artists and giving away some stuff over the internet and doing some trivia and having some fun in the next couple of weeks. Oh, cool. So we'll announce that on, yeah, we'll announce that on Facebook and Instagram. Well, excellent. We'll keep an eye Twitter. out for that. Yeah. 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 That sounds great. Cool. Well, it's exciting. It looks like you're taking well, kind of a, kind of a frustrating, frustrating time right now and, and making it as positive as positive as possible for everybody. Yeah. I got to try, you know, yeah. um, but it, I've been telling people, um, you know, opening your own business, you spend a lot of time here. I mean, at the beginning, I was here 80 hours a week. Towards the end, I was here at least 50 hours a week. So it's a nice little vacation to actually see my family, catch up <laughs> on my stack of comic books, play some video games. But as soon as I get the chance, I'm itching to get back at it, right. see everybody again. I missed everybody, you know. Yeah, that's definitely going around. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right, well, Mitch, cool. thanks for thanks for popping on the show today. We'll uh, we'll let you get Thank back you to it here. Me. Yeah, All we'll right. uh, we'll will. definitely talk to you soon, and uh, I'll maybe pop in and we'll I'll share that ramen and ale recipe with you. All right, awesome. You guys have a good night. All right, take care. Bye. Thanks, Mitch. <laughs> Bye. And this would be a good time to take a little break and thank our sponsors. First up, Bridge City Comics. While they are still not doing any kind of like in-store uh, retailing and commercing, they are still providing curbside pickup, delivery, and shipping of all your favorite comic books and graphic novels that are out there. Um, and if you have a subscription box, you know, if the titles are coming out, you know, they're, they're, they're putting that in your pull box. So, you know, don't think that you can just kind of hold out and wait you know, until this all lifts long enough for you to go into the store, um, you know, comic book shops have to pay for those in, in advance. They don't, they don't pay off when they get paid, if that makes sense. So, um, you know, if you're able to, uh, you know, set up a delivery or a shipment or pick it up yourself, your stuff in your pull box, that way they're not, they're not sitting on that, that money that they, uh, they had to spend, but then are kind of eating into their inventory and on, on all that good stuff. So if you have a pull box, you know, Empty it, dang it. <laughs> Plus, you're going to get great comics and help a shop. Um, and, you know, every week you can check out the order form, place the books you want. If it's an older graphic novel or trade that you want, if it's still in print, you know, send them a note saying, hey, I wouldn't, I'd like to get this ordered. And, uh, you know, they'll order it for you if it's available. Just, you know, be sure you pick it up because they have to fork that money out ahead of time. So uh, they have they have been there for us during during tough times and we need to be there for them. Plus, again, you're going to get comics. So check them out bridgecitycomics.com uh, the next up of course is Guardian Games our longest sponsor since before the podcast even existed find them at 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon they do have in-store shopping now but uh, they are maintaining a distance I'm not sure if they're requiring customers wear a mask but you know what don't be a dick wear a dang mask while you're picking up your games okay it's Getting a booster pack of magic, you know, is not worth getting people sick or yourself getting sick. So uh, be cool about this while they're open. If you're not comfortable about that, I do believe they are still doing curbside pickup. I'm not sure, but I think they are. So you can find out more at facebook.com forward slash guardian games. Uh, and while you're there, you know, be cool, be chill. They're not doing single card sales. Uh, that's just too much. That's too much touching. 
So you're going to have to live without, you know, buying that one card that's going to make your deck a tournament killer that no one's hosting because there's still no inside gaming. Anyway, um, but you know what? You can still pick up your role-playing games, your, your board games, dice games, miniatures, miniature supplies, everything at Guardian Games, 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. Check them out and thank them for sponsoring the show. And lastly, before we get back to it, uh, once again, a huge shout-out to RevNat and Reverend Nat's Hard Cider for hooking us up with some tech that's making our remote shows sound this much better, uh, more better-gooder. <laughs> and uh, they're still doing cider delivery as well as beer delivery for Old Town. They've also been helping out the community a lot. Uh, RevNat's been um, a big supporter of the Black Resilience Fund in Portland, I do believe he's matching up to $5,000 in donations. You can donate right there on the RevNat site while you're shopping for your cider and beer. So check him out. Uh, He's been on fire lately, doing good for the community while providing tasty, tasty beverages. So do right and support them as well. I'm going to do that right now and enjoy a tasty beverage while I get back to Geek in the City Radio. It worked. All right. Now we have our our aliens meme. Hooray! Oh, back Good. to the regularly Good. scheduled podcast. Back to the regularly scheduled foolishness. So how else? I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, sorry yeah, that yeah. Um, that that Portland is losing the nerd out, um, but I'm glad to hear that Mitch has got some other plans in the works ahead. Yeah, um, he seems like someone that he said he's been in food service since he was like 15. So I'm sure it's, it yeah. seems like he was kind of ready for the "this is how it goes" kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a bummer that the nerd out was so like centered and like focused around events because yeah. it just means that there was really not going to be a way for for him to move past this. But he does sound like someone who can roll with the punches and it already has like things like you know the gears are already turning for like what's what's going to come next. Right. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I am sure that we have not seen the last of Chef Mitch. No, not at all. Uh, how are you guys doing? We didn't have to do, we didn't have our normal kind of like, how's everybody doing recap? I know. Um, a little bummed. I was supposed to have a, uh, a particular, like not like a phone interview, but like a, I guess like a phone consultation today. And that didn't happen. Oh, did uh, they cancel or did they just forget? I think they forgot, and maybe that's on me. I should have like followed up when they didn't confirm to reply or reply to confirm when I was like, right. you know, like someone gives you options and you're like, I'll take that option, and yeah. then usually they're like, okay, great, that didn't happen. So maybe maybe that's mm. on me. But right, yeah, I mean, yeah, okay. I like to give people the benefit of the doubt, you know. Oh, I like how there's still just a little bit inside you left. <laughs> just, just, a, just a scotch. Well, there, there's I, a lot of stuff that's happening with businesses now because of their reaction to COVID and because of the um, whatever stance they're deciding to take with BLM. That their bandwidth is getting narrower and narrower, yeah. and normal and that, thing, normal everyday things just get missed. Right. And that's the thing is like. I don't have a job right now, and yet I get worn out some days by, mm-hmm. like, having done two to three things. And I'm like, Whoa! The next day I get nothing done because I'm, like, I'm wiped, you know? And that's – I mean, maybe some of that is just, like, intrinsic laziness on my part. But I, I'm sure that, you know, at least a 
little portion of it is just like mental exhaustion. I don't No, I don't think it's laziness. I think there's been plenty of reports and, and studies done now that during this period of our, our life of existence, especially with, you know, with COVID happening and now with the extra bit of stress with, um, finally coming to terms with the, the, the police in this country, mm-hmm. um, that the majority of Americans are essentially operating at fight or flight 100% of the time now. Yep. Even when, I've read that. Even when we're asleep, our brains are just, they're just crunching away. I need a nap after waking up. Like I get <laughs> up, go for a little walk, have coffee and go, a snap time. And it's like 930 in the morning. And I'm like, I need a nap. I'm so tired already. I had a couple of weeks where I got really good about like I gradually pushed my wake up time earlier and earlier so that I was and then I was like briefly consistent about waking up at a decent hour and then being productive with my day and about two weeks after that I just went back to I'll wake up when I'm awake and I will accomplish as much today as I'm going to accomplish you can yeah. really be anywhere from here to here right I tried I really did yeah and that's yeah, that's that's kind of how I think everyone is right now. Um, yeah, I don't have anything. There's nothing pithy to add to that. No, no, really, no, we have we have our agenda of things that we hoped to to have time to discuss today, and I'm like realizing it's all negative. Well, can I? Yes, we Whatever talked it is. about. <laughs> um, we've talked uh, over the past few weeks about this, and you know what's up. I did finally make an announcement publicly last week. Um, so I wanted to like pull the curtain back for our listeners. Um, as of June 1st, sequential art closed its doors. Uh, that was the gallery that Merrick and I ran together. Um, mm-hmm. we have moved. We are no longer in that space. Uh, so we are now living in a, in an apartment and have a private address. So, which is the first time for me for like 15 years. It's like, anyone could find me and now it's like mm, now no one knows where i am that's kind of it's kind of nice yeah no, so there, it it's is. not necessarily a bad thing no but uh i did like we. For those who are curious out. cable now lives at no, I'm just <laughs> um but uh merrick and i this isn't the end of sequential art this is similar to what Mitch is doing with the, the nerd out. We're going, I'm going to be working on putting together a business plan for the next model of what that looks like, but that's still a couple of years off. And it certainly needs to be in a, I don't want to, I really dislike going when things go back to normal. I don't want things to go back to normal. I do not. Normal was awful. Right. Um, but when we get to a point where we have a vaccine for COVID-19, that's a different picture. So yes, that'll be our new normal. Yes. Yeah. But, um, that's the, yeah. I, I did want to thank all of the listeners who've uh, stopped in at sequential art over the years and the artists that we've worked with and the artists that have been on the show. It was uh, uh, much like the nerd out, like a really great place to, I don't know, see and be seen by the, the nerd community. That's a, I don't know, that doesn't feel like the right way to put it, but. It, um, it was a place where, um, a lot of, uh, a lot of comic deals went down, that's for sure. A, a lot of, uh, 
future partnerships got made. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know it's a place where uh, it was a great place to do on the fly interviews for Geek in the City. That was, yeah, also that was fun. always fun. I always really, really enjoyed that. Mind you. Okay, I was like, now I'm hearing voices inside the ghost of the machine. Like, oh, no. You should know what Manju sounds like by now. Yeah, that's true. He hasn't spent that much time around her because, you know, allergic. allergic. Oh, that's fair. But I know that Manju, that Manju. I should let all of the fans of Sequential Art know Manju is still alive. Manju is still around. She's still kicking. She's still sassy. She has um, acclimated to the move better than we would have expected. Like most cats spend anywhere between two days to a week hiding whenever you move them. Mm -hmm. They just hole up somewhere. Uh, Manju was upset for about 12 hours and then she was fine. And this is her first move in life, That's actually pretty good. Yeah. Yep, she's just, she's taken to it quite well. She's a hearty girl. She's also stopped being mad at Irma all the time, so... I think it's because she, it, it's a, a space that is not inherently hers, right. so she doesn't feel the need to defend it. That makes sense. So, I was going to yeah. guess the fact that being off of street level uh, is less agitation for Irma, and less, uh, less Irma noises are less agitating for a cat. That is also true. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so not, I'm, I'm, not not opening my front door to to Broadway is uh that's going to be nice. It's very quiet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know, just like with the nerd out, it's it's a bummer to see sequential go, but it's it's good to know that it's not. It's this is a temporary change. That's that, the goal. Like, yes. There's already you know there is there is a plan, or there is an intent, I should say. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Uh, what other? I'm always uh, I'm always leery now when everyone says, "And there is a plan." Ever since I watched Battlestar Galactica, because <laughs> for years they always said like the Cylons were built by humans, they revolted, and they have a plan. I'm like, no, they didn't. Their, <laughs> their plan literally ended with themselves shooting themselves in the head, and I was like, no. It was as if the writers didn't have a plan. Oh. probably shouldn't rip on that show since I keep trying to get Mark Bernardin to like be a guest here and he adores that show. <laughs> eh, like different like things. Thing. Yeah. It's fine with that. Oh, that last season's garbage. Um... <laughs> I've only seen like five episodes of that show and one of the episodes was the last one and I just kind of went, huh. Really? That was an episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why you guys filled up theaters every week? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. I, I took... Uh, a friend to go see it because I had a pass. I'm like, Hey, if you want to go see this, she's like, yeah, let's go. And, um, and we ended up like sitting either right in front of or right behind, um, Katie Sackhoff and her family. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah. Was that the finale? Yeah. She was there. Yeah. Oh, that was a weird night for me. <laughs> That's also fair. Yep. 
a weird night for me. So is that all you're going to say about that? Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh-huh. That is all I'm going to say about that. Moving on, then. Mm-hmm. Um, well, might as well just rip the Band-Aid off, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so... All right. I had some antacid issues, so I'm taking some Tums. I apologize for chewing on the air. <laughs> oh, my God. You, you're the worst. I am. Literal we've, worst. We've, we've never done that before. Never. No. So... <laughs> A few days ago, uh, woke up to the mor- woke up in the morning to read about the the passing of, of Denny O'Neill, um, which was. <clears throat> I'll admit, I didn't. I knew when that time would come, it would be hard for me. I didn't expect it to be as devastating for me as as it has been. Uh, for folks who don't know, uh, Denny O'Neill uh, was a legendary uh, comic book writer. Not just comics, but primarily, he's a comic writer. He was an editor. Uh, in his later years, he became a teacher, I believe, at uh, NYU for a little while, and he taught, you know, writing and and, and comics. Um, <clears throat> he was also, by all accounts, um, a very kind and caring and thoughtful person. That almost everyone who met him had a kind story about him, and that um, he remembered damn near every person he ever interacted with. Uh, he was a founding member uh, with the organization that would eventually become Hero. It used to be called uh, Actor, a commitment to our roots before it be called the Hero Initiative. And I do believe he was a, he was a founding board member uh, for that group. Um, in the comic world, you know, he's going to be known for uh, the Green Lantern, Green Arrow series, the Hard Traveling Heroes. It's one of the first times that comics dealt with racism and uh, police brutality and drug addiction. Um, and this is in the, I think, early to mid-70s, Cable? Was that mm-hmm. that era? Um, he created um, Ra's al Ghul. Like he created that character. Um, he's the guy that in the early 90s wrote a story where Bruce Wayne becomes a drug addict. Um, he introduced he because he creates venom. Uh, it's a it's a beautiful story. Bruce Wayne early in his career can't save this girl because he can't lift this rock up and this girl drowns. And he tells Zach, if I could have been stronger, I could have saved her. So he basically starts to take this version of steroids and it it breaks him. Um, he was very socially active in um making sure that everyone was created uh, equally, but it, the. <laughs> For me, the biggest loss is he was just a kind person and he was a really great mentor to no matter how limited your engagement was with him. Um, he touched a lot of lives and uh, yeah, it's, it's really hard to lose him. It's weird to say of someone that I've only known through the comics editorials and I have physically only met once, but it still felt like I lost a father figure this week is, is literally how it has felt. Um, when I started reading comics by then he was the editor of base, uh, he was basically the editor of Batman and Detective, and he had this column called "From the Den," that used to appear tiny little sliver of a column. It was usually like it was like a thousand words, but you know, letter column font. It was like six point font or whatever, and it was always in the center of the books. It was never in the letters column, 
And it got to where I would read that before I read the comics. I wanted to know what Danny O'Neill was saying, what his, what his, what his thoughts were that month. I wanted to read that before the comic. Um, he, uh, he was the first person to review one of my books, like the first book I ever put out. Uh, he found out that I had done one because I had donated to the, to actor that we became hero. And I had a profile that said I had just put out a, I had just self-published my own little comic book. And he messaged me on this on, through like the forum and said, I'd like to see it. If you, if you're, if you, here's my address. And if, and if you want my note, like, and he, like I put a self-addressed envelope so he could type his notes and send them back to me. Um, he had many notes <laughs> um, because it was not a good comic. Uh, but he was not discouraging. It was like, you know, there's something here, kid. You're, you're rough. You're really rough. You got a lot of work to do. Um, and then well over a decade later, I met him at Emerald City Comic Con and the dude remembered me. Like, and asked me, are you still writing? Yeah. Good. Good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the kind of, that's the kind of person Denny O'Neill was. So he's going to be, he's going to be greatly missed. Um, there are, there were, there are not a lot of creators in the comic world like him. So we need, we need more people like him. So it's very sad to see him go. Yeah. So there's been a lot of, uh, news or, or talk lately, uh, for people of opposite behavior. So I think that that makes it that much more disappointing to lose someone who is, is that good hearted. Yeah. And it was, I mean, he was, he was older. He'd had a heart attack. Um, he had lost his 81 when he passed away. He was 81. Uh, his wife, Mary Fran had passed away. I think just a couple years ago, maybe three years ago, if I remember correctly. Um, and I'm not going to go into detail, but the story of how he reconnected with her, just the sweetest thing ever. You know, a sweetheart he once knew, and then they had to drift apart. They each ended up having, if I remember correctly, they each had different marriages that didn't work out or what have you. Met each other later in life, like at a book signing, and and reconnected and went from there. Just the sweetest story, you know, in in the world. So, yeah, he he will be greatly missed. And if I go on and on, I will start crying (laughs) again. That's okay. You don't have to keep going. Yeah, I I talked a bit with Matthew Clark about him yesterday, and like there there were some things that I knew about Denny. Like I knew him through reading the question, yeah, the series that he did with uh, Denny's Kellen, Um, gorgeous series. But like I didn't I didn't know that he created James Rhodes, Mm -hmm. who we all know as War Machine. Yep. Um, I, I knew about, um, the Oliver Queen, Hal Jordan road trip. I didn't know that he was the one that kind of reintroduced John Stewart. So like, yeah. he was also, like you were saying, he was very socially conscious in a time where that was not at the forefront of what comics were doing. No, I mean, a lot of them wanted to, but they weren't allowed to. Sure. I think he had mentioned once that he just got lucky in that, Basically, Green Lantern was about to be canceled. And I think it was Julius Schwartz that said, do you want the book? Yeah, sure, I'll do it. And I think he'd mentioned before that they just got lucky in that no one in DC just really cared about the character. So no one can tell you no if no one notices the character. Sure. And all of a sudden they're getting like 
you know, coverage in the New York Times and the mayor at that time of New York, like wrote a one page thank you letter that appeared in the Green Lantern, like two issues in, you know. Um, yeah, he took on racial hatred in that Oliver, that Green Arrow, Green Lantern series. It's really beautiful stuff. Um, he had an interview with Kevin Smith that Kevin Smith just replayed a few days ago. He interviewed him a few years ago. And you'll kind of crack this up, Cable. He mentions that he and Mary Fran were huge fans of the Arrow show and that they never missed a week of it when she was still alive. Fascinating. And he would talk about, he says, the way they reinvented him, the stuff on the island, that's good storytelling. I get it. He's like, it's not my character, but you have to reimagine him for the TV and that works. <laughs> that's, uh, that's super positive. Yeah. yeah. Um, he... Uh, <laughs> he also mentioned the interview when he saw the trailer for the Iron Man movie. He mentioned how he was so excited to see one of his favorite actors play a character he created. He created Obadiah Stane. Oh, really? Yeah. And he jokes about how the people at Marvel used to give him grief for that name because it was always, if he wanted a goofy name, you went to Danny O'Neill. He'd call somebody Ubi Dooby Shooby or Booby Dooby or whatever. So yeah. <laughs> and he was like, you know, and he's like, I didn't get a lot of money for that, but, you know, I saw credit. That was nice. It's pretty good. Um, he named Optimus Prime. When Marvel had all these characters dropped at their feet, he came up with most of the names, and he, he named Optimus Prime. Because in Japan, I, he would have been Big Convoy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's what he was. Big, yeah. Big Convoy? <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. he was the leader of the, the convoy of... Autobot. Autobots. Vehicles. Yep. Yeah, um, Danny O'Neill has had his hand in a lot of comics that a lot of people don't realize beyond, you know, Batman and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I feel like the like did he get interviewed for the the toys that made us the Netflix series? I don't know now that I think about it. I'm not sure. He did. Sounds like he has to have been. I don't think he did a lot of TV interviews. Hmm. Hmm. Um I just feel I feel like that came up on that episode. Now I'm gonna have to rewatch it just to he, uh, see. I don't know if Greg ever listens to any of the Kevin Smith podcasts, but again, that um, Kevin just replayed the the one he did with Denny O'Neill, and he's talking about one his last really big job was overseeing No Man's Land that that huge Batman arc. Like he ran that show, mm-hmm. and he talks about how. It had gone for a it was a twelve issue year long maxi series, and he says, you know, we get to the part, and we realize that by issue eleven we've kind of told the story, we've got one more to do, and but you know we've we've wrapped it up, you know, quote Gotham has been saved, aren't you know, no man's land has ended, you know, he says so we basically we have this 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 twelve issue, what do we do? Do we just trail it off? And he mentions at the time. He said, uh, the two writers I turned to were, were Greg Rucka and Devin Grayson. And he said, and, and those two wound up delivering what was going to be just a, well, we've got to turn in 12 issues to fulfill this maxi series. It went from that, he said, to the strongest issue of the entire run. And if hmm. I remember correctly, I do believe it's the one when it's the moment with Sarah Essen at the very end of No Man's Land. Uh, I don't want to give it away. No Man's Land is still, even though it's an older story, it's, okay. it's still really fun to read. But it's a, it's a brutally bittersweet ending to that entire arc. So, 
and is kind of fitting for you know for a Batman arc to end that way in a in a in a in a dark way, I suppose. Um, huh? But yeah, I've not it, read it. So. Neither it's have fun. I. Like I thought, I was familiar with it, but I, I I haven't read the series. It's. I mean, there's a lot going on. I think. I think that if you collect, I think there's five full trades for all of No Man's Land because for because it wasn't just the Bat and Detective. It was at the time it would have been uh, Robin, Legend of the Dark Knight, maybe Shadow of the Bat, and yeah, it was it was a big big series. Um, mm-hmm. But it was fun to read. It was good to read. Um, I think one of my favorite scenes ever in it is when Superman shows up to try and fix everything. And he, you know, turns into Clark Kent and, you know, runs into Batman and says, you know, how do I look? Will I fit in? Because, you know, Gotham's in ruins. He's got to make himself look all disheveled. You know, and he's like, there's not enough dirt under your nails. You have clearly been eating well. You have this about you. You still have a glow. You're still tanning too tall. He's like, you don't look right at all. And Clark says, okay, to anyone who's not the world's greatest detective, and Bruce is like, you look fine. <laughs> nice. Uh, so anyway, that was, my, that was the piece I kind of wanted to say. It's just uh, a, final, a final thank you to Denny O'Neill. He had a, and continues to have a massive impact on my, not only in my career, but my, my personal path in comics that I hope I can live up to. So, mm-hmm. There it is. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot, and it's, and it's hard, and, and I get that. Yeah. yeah. So. I don't know. Do we want to talk about the other stuff? It's, I, it's always nice to end the show on a happy note, but I don't know if we can. Well, I, I don't think we have anything for that this week. Yeah. Um, so here's the thing. I don't actually know that much about it. I, I, I understand what the uproar is, but I haven't actually seen like the core thing. I'm seeing everyone talking about it, but I haven't seen it, if that makes sense. Sure. Um... I mean, Cable, you, I think you've been following us a bit more. Uh, by my own admission, I have kind of been in a social media blackout for about 48 hours. That's fine. Um, I have read uh, at least one article and um, a couple of threads. The This is another one of those. Um, comic creator has been called out for uh, abhorrent behavior. Um, within the community uh, this particular time it is two different people um, one of them is Cameron Stewart uh, whose accusers have basic this one I, I'm having a really tough time with because it's it's not like oh, they got drunk and they hit on women or men or what have you at a con or they did this. It's not a, they have addiction issues and they lose control. Right. It's grooming of underage women for later sexual activity. Yeah. And the the people, people that have come forward to talk about this are 
Canadian and the age of consent in Canada is 16, which is when mm. he started to uh, foster these relationships with them. Um, but that's still like, dude. <laughs> um, Legal does not mean ethical. No, especially Thank when you. you're engaging in activity prior to the age of consent. Right. Um, so that's that. That's one of the things that's kind of hit everyone sideways today. On top of that, um, there was another uh, long uh, Twitter thread that was written about um, Warren Ellis, and it wasn't. Well, it it wasn't in the same degree as uh, Cameron Stewart. It still is an older man uh, creating inappropriate relationships with women far younger than he is. Mm-hmm. Um, that is less surprising since that has been Warren's MO for decades. Um, it can be disappointing, but not surprising, I suppose. Does that yes. make sense? Yeah. Um and the people that have written about him are less about, it's like, I love Warren. I think he's great. I think he's a positive force in comics. I think he's a very good voice for this, but he's also a lecherous old man. And I can like, I can hold both versions of Warren Ellis in my head and know that I love him for this, but he's a complete bastard for this. Um, which is the take that allows people to go, I want to apologize for my behavior, and not only do I want to apologize, I'm going to show you in actions how I'm going to fix this. Right. Um, I don't know that there's... I don't know that we're going to get that from Cameron Stewart. I hope we get that from Warren Ellis. um, Because I feel like he is self-aware enough and will listen to the people talking about him because they would also talk to him about right. it. We'll see. Um, I know it's already cost one of the people was written, that was writing about him explained that that is why she ended their friendship. Not because anything that she did to him, he did to her, but what he watched him him do to other women and she's like no this is not okay it's like until you get your shit together we're not friends yeah there's definitely a longer conversation um to be had and a problem to be fixed with um the the culture of silence that happens in comics Mm -hmm. and to an extent i i get it in that everyone is just terrified of being blacklisted for just speaking out it's, um, it's such because, a culture and industry of who you know, who's going to prop you up, and ultimately, what do they want in return from you? It's, 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 yeah, it's and, like, like Hollywood. People are afraid to say, you know, tell an important truth because they, they need or want to get ahead. Yeah, and comic people have long fucking memories. They do. Um, but here of, uh, is where this is different this in this particular time COVID-19 has happened 
and has completely disrupted the industry in such a way that long-term change and accountability can be made part of the new foundation of what comics are going to look like. Yeah, for sure. But we all have to do the work. So, and, and I, I, again, I put this on the fans, um, but they're the ones that companies are going to listen to because if you say, I'm never buying this person's book, it's like you continue to harbor um, or do business with this person. I'm not buying anything from your company until you decide to hold them accountable for their actions. Right. Yeah. I am, I am hoping that is what comes out of this for sure. And that's, again, that's, that gets into a larger argument of like, that's what's been normal. Let's not go back to that. Right. Yeah. Fuck normal. Uh, I mean, I guess a, a more, I don't even know how to phrase this, but in similar news, um, what is the, I lost his name already. Uh, Hartley. Oh man, yeah, that was Hartley Hartley Sawyer who plays uh, Ralph Dibney on The Flash. uh, Apparently, has said some really terrible shit on Twitter over the years, and someone recently brought that to light, and uh, and he got fired. And it seems like that's something that happened very quickly. Uh, I have not seen or heard anything in uh, in regards to like his response. Um. Because from what I'm looking at, a lot of the a lot of those things were from 2012, which is not you know necessarily a lifetime ago, but it was it was a goodly while ago. And um, I don't know. In in this example, I'd be curious to know like, well, what do his tweets today look like? And you know, what does he have to say about the kind of person he was then versus the kind of person he is now? Or I actually have an a, answer to that. Let's say, or is this just like another James Gunn situation? I I have an answer. Is that his name? No, James yeah. Gunn is the one who admitted that he was shitty in the past and he's continuously working on it. And he was specifically targeted by someone who was trying to yeah. buy a right-wing um, or an alt-right um, journalist yeah. mm-hmm. who was trying, who was upset with how Gunn represented people currently. Yeah, And he's like, oh, I don't like that. I like it better when you were a racist asshole. Um, Hartley Sawyer um, did acknowledge that yes he published all of those tweets yes they were all said at a time period where he thought they were funny and was trying to make a joke and realized that all of them were off tone all of them were improper all of them were horrible Um, he did not contest his firing he understood exactly what why people were angry and could only apologize and try to do better from that point forward. But like that, that's another one of those situations where he acknowledged what he did was wrong and accepted the punishment for it was losing a lucrative job Mm -hmm. that had really started to build that he was building his career on. And now he's, he's got to backtrack. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And you know, he has to, he doesn't have that good faith to rely on for, you know, for future jobs. Like if you, you know, if you lose your acting job, you know, not out of anything you did, you still have that reputation and mm-hmm. 
now he has to start all over. Um, like it, his last few tweets were actually in support of the BLM movement. So like he was pushing for more social change and social justice in his more recent tweets. Right. Yeah, I, like I said, like I, I know that I have not been the best uh, person in the past and like by which I mean like not a very good advocate or just not a very good person to the people in my life. And, you know, we have to admit that people can change for the better if they want to. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'll be curious to see where he ends up. Yeah, I, I heard someone say, it's like, well, you would have thought the CW would have done a lot more vetting and background because he was brand new to that show. I'm like, yeah, but there's a show on the CW seed where he plays a robot during the zombie apocalypse. He wasn't, he wasn't a oh, brand new right. employee. Yeah, he wasn't a brand new employee to Warner Brothers. Mm. Well, and, you know, I just in 2012, did I don't think that Twitter or what you said on Twitter mattered as much to an employer as it does, as it can now. Correct. Uh, I think that that's become a much more recent thing in our culture where what what you do or say on, on the internet can bite you in the ass professionally. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm trying to hey. get some- No, it, it's all right. It's just like there's just been so much of this recently. And it just seems to compound on everything else that we've, like, we're still going through COVID-19. We are now actively managing, trying to, like, work to end police brutality um, in whatever form that takes. And then having even more of things that harken back to the Me Too movement, it's like, None of these fights have ever ended. We've just moved on to other fights. Right. Right. Uh, But we're at that point where they're all coalescing into one big fight. Yeah. And I know here in the States, that means like where that, that final championship bout comes down to is the next election. Oh, sweet baby Jesus. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Which still se- seems like a million miles away because, you know, it's... It's a whole other season away, but it's yeah. still this year. And there's still other yeah. horrible things. Like, there's still thousands of kids in cages at our borders. Mm-hmm. Uh, thousands that have been lost, likely forever. Yep. Um. I know a lot of people are excited about that um, that Supreme Court ruling where, you know, employers aren't allowed to discriminate against LGBTQ people when hiring or firing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, uh, you know, the other immediate response was uh, that's never the excuse they give you when they fire you or don't hire you. Discrimination right. is not solved by just putting in a law. A lot of places already had those kinds of laws. What the heck is the point of the equal opportunity employer, employer, you know, tag on any business when all it takes is a simple lie to discriminate? Right, which sure. is why all right to work states need to abolish those laws. I fucking hate the uh, being in a right to work state. 
I mean, I, to be fair, it's never affected me negatively. I've never been released from a job uh, in Oregon, you know, for reasons other than what they told me. But, but that's just me. I'm I'm one example, and I've I know of people who have been fired for shitty reasons that are not that shouldn't be justifiable, but right. they don't have to be justified in the state. Yeah. Yep. And the fact of the matter is, is that we should not have to be celebrating that the Supreme Court held up a law that just flat out says that everyone should be treated fairly and equally. Like that shouldn't Mm -hmm. be something we should have to even celebrate. That reminds me of another tweet I saw where someone was saying, oh, you know, you tell people that it's brave to transition. Well, it wouldn't have to be a brave thing. It could just be the thing that's right for me, except for you have built this culture and society based around treating that as wrong and putting my life at risk for, mm-hmm. for being this way. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that's super. I guess we can just end this week on keep trying <laughs> to be better and stop being shitty. I know that seems overly simplified and it probably is. <laughs> but if you can start with not being shitty, that's a good place to start folks. Like, that's, there's nothing wrong with boiling it down and making it simple. Like, I think we all understand that don't be a dick carries with it lots of nuance. <laughs> yes. Like, well, what, like, if you apply that all the time, don't be shitty. What does that really mean? Oh, that what means is, what is maybe that? I shouldn't take up space in the bus shelter for when other people could be using it. Maybe I shouldn't be, <laughs> like, angry that the person ahead of me is taking too long to get a coffee. I'm going to take just as long. It's like, give them time. Give them space. Um, Put the shopping cart back, you dick. What was that, uh, that phrase? Like, I don't know. I don't, I cannot give you the definition of pornography, but I know it when I see it. That was a Supreme Court ruling. Yeah. yeah so yeah. we just need one of those instead. Is, uh, like, like, I can't, give you an all-encompassing definition of what being a dick is, but I can definitely tell you when you're doing it. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, and then and then stop doing it. And stop. I, I, I feel as though that that is um, that's the whole <laughs> I don't know how I'm supposed to tell you you're supposed to care about other people. Mm, yeah. I don't know. I mean... I know it's not always that. I, I, I do think that there's a, a percentage of people out there who who maybe really do believe that Confederate statues are, you know, historical and educational. And maybe it's not an educated opinion, but it's the opinion that they have been given and raised on. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you tell a lie often enough, people people will believe it. Uh, and this is an, a, a specific example of someone I know on Facebook, by the way. Um, I was I really, raised on re- plenty of things that I thought was absolutely true, and now I know they're not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I really, really want to believe that this friend is not racist, but actually believes that taking down uh, statues of Confederate leaders are is is erasing history just because it's offensive. Uh, so, uh, 
I love Trevor Noah's thing where he said, you know what? We all remember the bubonic plague and there's no statue of rats anywhere. Yes. Yep. Yes. Um, yes. But, or you know I, what? I don't... If, if you really want to save it, get a lot of them, put them in a, 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 black, a black history museum on ticket prices, go to support, um, you know, uh, black American initiatives in this country. If, if, if you really believe they're for educational reasons, put them in a museum and the money goes to helping uh, uh, black issues and black social justice issues in this country. There you go. If you really need to have them. Yep. I did really enjoy pictures of uh, those different statues of uh, like British slave owners and this and the like. And it just says, you know, racist murderer, slave owner. Uh, Cause it would be different if those, if those statues were actually doing something to educate people, but they're not, they're glorifying it. Right. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> no, I, I'm really proud of Norm right now because he says, like, if you want to see what modern day dick looks like, just go down Joe Rogan's guest list. <laughs> Nicely done, Norm. Yes. Um, well, on that note. Well, on that note, uh, I don't know what we've got planned for next week. We'll see. Just keep racking in these guests. I don't think I know either. It's we I don't, don't think I thought I had we have thing. anything going. Because we don't have anything planned yet. Shh. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we don't, but I'm sure we can think of something. Yeah. Maybe we'll ask Greg back, see what he's doing. Yeah, we haven't seen him in a while, so yeah. I, would, I would be happy with that. And again, uh, a huge thanks to uh, to, for, uh, to Mitch for, for popping in and chatting about us. While I'm sad to see the nerd out go, I'm excited to see... Uh, his his nerdy evolution and what will come next. I'm sure we have not seen the last of his creative side for sure. Uh-uh. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's going to be all right. That kid's going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and well, with that, I'm Aaron Duran. I'm Pinarita. And I'm Cable Hushton. We will talk to everybody next week. And remember, Ted Wheeler needs to resign. Hey guys, Do it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is Mikey Nielsen out at the Rose City Comic Con. You should be listening to old episodes of Chronicles of the Nerds, but you're actually listening to Geek in the City Radio. Uh, They're pretty good.